Hey folks, it's Mike from Profiling Evil. I've been studying criminal behavior for more than 40 years, and one of my favorite research tools is Truthfinder. It's online, and you're not going to believe the information stored there. So if you want to know more about that new neighbor, your babysitter, or your online date, give Truthfinder a try. I'm including a special link below with special discount pricing, but you got to click the link and enter Evil 10 at checkout. Now, we're an affiliate, which means we get a small commission, but you can cancel at any time. Like you said, you broke the law by making an illegal U-turn, and I hereby, as a citizen of the town of Mayberry in the United States of America, arrest you. Well, Hannah Payne shouted, Citizens Arrest! And when she didn't get the outcome that she wanted, she apparently pointed the gun at the man, and seconds later, a bullet entered his body. Was this a case of murder, or was it self-defense? Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Profiling Evil's new segment, Down the Rabbit Hole. Now, I'm hoping that I'll bring you a few new cases that you'll dig into the way I do on these things. They can be really captivating, so maintain some balance, especially during the holidays. But as we get started, take a minute, hit that like and subscribe button, folks, and ring the bell so that you're getting all of our videos and all of our notifications. And please, share Profiling Evil with all your friends and contacts. And thanks a lot for supporting us. Now let's catch this news clip to kind of set the stage. Right now, it's day two of jury selection for the woman accused of shooting and killing a man after he left the scene of a crash. Hannah Payne is accused of killing 62-year-old Kenneth Herring back in 2019. Police say Herring ran a red light and crashed into a semi-truck on Clark Howell Highway that's near I-285. Now, no one was hurt, and police say Payne was a witness. Detectives say Herring stayed on scene for 20 minutes before he tried to leave because he was suffering from a medical emergency. According to police, Payne followed him about a mile away and shot Herring several times as he sat in the driver's seat of his own car. We're in court this afternoon, and we'll have the latest on 11 Alive news at 4. Well, after a series of delays, the murder trial against Hannah Payne is getting underway. They're in the middle of jury selection. Two days of jury selection. Tomorrow starts day three. The judge hoped to start this case by tomorrow and have it completed by the end of the week. I don't think it's going to happen. But if you haven't been following this case, I think it's one that you're going to want to. And here's why. Payne is accused of being an overzealous community vigilante who took things way too far when she witnessed a property damage vehicle crash in Clayton County, Georgia, back in May of 2019. That's right. This thing is nearly four years old. Now, I hope you caught what I just said there. This was a property damage crash. There weren't any injuries. Payne was 19 years old at the time, and she was packing a handgun with her in her vehicle. The accident occurred near the airport and was reportedly caused by a 62-year-old man named Kenneth Herring. Now, Herring is an African-American, and I only tell you that because it becomes a kind of an interesting issue in this case because race has also become a question. It's something 
that turned the community upside down after this story hit the news. Now, it was reported that Herring ran a red light, and he crashed his truck into a big semi-truck. They, they pulled over, and everything seemed to be going well. Payne and another person witnessed the accident, and they pulled over to see if everybody was all right. Well, they waited around for about 20 minutes for law enforcement to come, and then all of a sudden, Herring started his truck up and drove away. Now, Payne jumped into her vehicle, and she started chasing this guy while she dialed 911. She told the emergency dispatcher that she was chasing this guy, and she gave Herring's uh, license plate number to the call taker, who told her, and this thing is recorded, who told Payne, discontinue pursuing this guy and go back to the accident scene and wait to meet with police officers. Well, Payne reportedly refused to do so, and she continued to chase Herring for about a mile down the road before, when reaching an intersection, she pulled out in front of him and blocked his way so that he couldn't leave. Now, she, in looking at all the evidence, apparently jumped from her vehicle and ordered Herring to exit his. Now, what Payne didn't know, according to family members of Herring, is that he was most likely suffering a diabetic event. Now, his family said he was diabetic, and they are sure that he would have stuck around, that he wasn't thinking clearly, and that he was probably trying to get to a medical facility. I have no idea how they could know that, other than maybe knowing his personality. And this would be interesting to see if law enforcement and, frankly, the defense are able to recover medical records for him to show whether that was a normal course of action for him when he was in trouble to head to a medical center somewhere. But regardless, he he didn't stay at the scene. But this much we do know from an independent witness who watched Payne jump from her Jeep and confront Herring. She was packing a weapon, and apparently she was screaming at him, and maybe even at the top of her lungs, because Detective Keon Hayward reported that Payne ignored the 911 operator's um, comments and commands to stop and return to the accident scene. But apparently this phone call remained connected because Hayward said, and apparently this is going to be introduced in the trial and we'll be able to hear it for the first time there. Hayward said that you could actually hear Payne yelling, get out of the car, get out of the car. I'm going to shoot you. And then there were some expletives apparently. Well, after the shot was fired, Payne reportedly went to in, to her phone and called 911 again or picked up the phone with 911 on and said that Herring took her gun and that he shot himself. Well, here's where things get a little bit uh, sticky because there was a delivery driver standing by who asked to remain anonymous, but I'm sure he's going to be testifying in this thing. And he says that he saw Payne attack Herring before he heard the gunshot. He said she was in the window and punching Herring and that she was trying to grab him and pull him out of the car. Now this witness said and went on to say that he could see Payne holding a gun and he said this thing was just incredibly shocking to him. Well, when that shot rang out, Herring collapsed in the vehicle with a wound to the abdomen. 
Well, Herring died shortly afterward, but Payne's attorney, a guy named Matt Tucker, responded to the media's questions about this whole thing by saying that Payne was provoked into the shooting after Herring hit her Jeep. Now, police said this was not true. There was never any contact between Herring and Payne's vehicle. So that was just not true. But according to media reports, rather than render aid, this witness says he saw Payne return to her Jeep, where she then was videoed either by him or another witness changing her clothes before police arrived. Now, who thinks of doing that after shooting someone or being in a battle for your life? Now, the defense argues that it was because she'd been battered by Herring, who also, according to them, ripped her shirt. Well, this thing is going to be really interesting because it's going to involve a whole bunch of stuff with a smattering of whether this was racial in in nature. Now, Payne has people who are coming forward that say, no, she was not a racist. She's not a person who deals in race or even thinks in color. But she is a black and white person when it comes to the law and doing things. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what information comes out. But jury selection now going into the third day. The thing that's interesting today is that Payne was apparently offered a plea deal. And the defense thought it over, talked with her. And then the word on the street is that the defense came back to the prosecution with an alternate plea deal. But the prosecution turned that down. So this thing is going to trial. And like I say, it's not intended to last very long. In fact, it was in the system for four years already. And Payne has been on bond. And this is an interesting thing. A white 19-year-old female been on bond since this thing happened. I wonder what would happen in other circumstances if, if the race card was different. Don't know. I'm not trying to make a big deal out of it. But I do think that that's really interesting. She remains on bond. This thing that's taken four years is now in the third day of tri- of uh, jury selection. She's charged with malice and felony murder, along with some other charges. And again, initially, the court hoped that this thing would be done by the end of this week. But it seems to me like this one's going to last a whole lot longer, especially if they haven't got a jury picked yet, and tomorrow is Wednesday. We'll see. If they get that jury picked, then I guess they're thinking it's a two-day trial, and they'll have an answer quite quickly. You know, this is a great case to watch. I think it's a great one to start off this new series of Down the Rabbit Hole. And I hope that you really enjoy this. I hope that you're going to be interested in this. And I want to know what your thoughts are on this case. Is it a case of murder with malice? Or was this truly a case of self-defense? You know, I appeared on Court TV today to talk about this case, and I had some rather blunt opinions. I don't generally get this dogmatic about things, but I had some pretty strong feelings, and I want to know what your thoughts are on this one after I play this clip. Tully and retired police commander and host of the Profiling Evil podcast, Mike King. Mike, this is one of those intricate cases where the jury is really going to have to look at intent again as well. Uh, This is a defendant who likely will argue not only self-defense, but accident, that she didn't mean to do it or that he pulled the trigger. Uh, But tell me about her decision to keep following him from a police perspective, uh, even after she got the tag and gave that to 911. 
for anyone that's listening, absolutely do not pursue. Once you have the tag and the information that you've provided to dispatch, get back to a safe distance. And if you have to break laws to get to them, it's not worth it. And frankly, this does not justify the use of a firearm to detain somebody and to take justice into your own hands. This one really troubles me, whether it's the the mind of a 21-year-old who's maybe not full developed uh, this child or this kid or this adult 21 year old shouldn't have been carrying a weapon and shouldn't have used a weapon in an a property damage traffic accident and then to bring in this dispatcher who's saying back off leave it alone we've got the information and yet to say no i have a responsibility to protect to go forward and do this, I think she's got a terrible burden on her shoulders. It should be a very difficult situation when you have no video to prove exactly what happened. Uh, but it, this one is is difficult. She gave different statements, apparently, to police afterward. When you're analyzing this as an officer coming to the scene and you're seeing a person who's deceased, this maybe hit and run that you've noticed, how do you start piecing together what really happened and who was the aggressor or the one in the fault? Well, I think you do have to take this step by step and moment by moment. But one uh, act at the end of a moment doesn't uh, get justified because you made poor decisions that put you in that position before that. And th- great, thankfully, I, as a as a police officer, I was able to just present facts and then let prosecutors and defense attorneys argue it out and let a judge make a determination. But this thing boils down to, in my opinion, over-escalating based on the fact this was a property damage event. Dispatch said back off. She she continued and chose to continue. I, I don't personally believe this was racially motivated, but I think this was this was out of hand. Well, I hope you'll put your thoughts down below. I want to know what your thoughts are on this one, and I hope you'll weigh in on each other's comments. Again, let's keep this thing high level and professional as we walk through this particular one. You know, there are some really great stories out on the on the web. This one is one of those, and I think it's worthy of this new series, Down the Rabbit Hole. Hey, well, thanks for subscribing to Profiling Evil. Make sure you're hitting the subscribe and the like button over there. Share us with your friends and look for us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And if you like podcasts, check us out on Profiling Evil Podcasts. Now, as we come to an end, I'm going to play a little video clip about some wonderful gifts for Christmas that you can pick up from Profiling Evil. It's a great way to support Profiling Evil, but most importantly, to support the children that we're supporting when you buy these books. So please listen in on those and share them with your friends and from all of us at Profiling Evil. Hey, we'll see you at the next crime scene. Well, hey everybody, I'm Mike from Profiling Evil and I want to share two great gift ideas for the 2023 Christmas holidays. I'm making available at a special price two of my most popular books. First is Deceived, an investigative memoir of the Zion Society cult. And the second is She Knew No Fear. You can purchase them individually or you can get them at a special bundled price. And right now, as a special, I'll be signing them if you'd like. Now, Deceived is about my investigation into and the ultimate takedown of a ritual child abuse cult that was sexually abusing children, a large group of children. 
12 people were ultimately um, convicted in this thing following a pre-dawn raid. And although the court process ended decades ago, the suffering that was endured by the children continues today. Now, I wrote this book because some of the victims asked me to tell their story. It happened during a presentation of the case on the Dr. Phil show, as well as several other international news channels. And I was so compelled by the children asking this, now adult women, that we went ahead and wrote the book. The book doesn't reveal the horrors that the kids faced, but it acknowledges that the abuse occurred. More importantly, it's a story about how destructive cults, like this one, can be destroyed where the system works and where the system failed in that case. And it talks about how the investigation and the prosecution literally changed the way in which cults are handled today. The book explores the cult recruiting tactics used by this particular group, and they seem to be consistent with other cults. It also talks about how we can protect our loved ones from falling pet prey to these perverted predators. And here's the really cool news from my perspective. Proceeds from Deceived are going toward building a new children's advocacy center. That's a place where children can be uh, forensically and physically examined, receive physical and emotional care while being prepared for the court system. The hope is that when they walk out of the doors of a children's advocacy center, they're healthier than when they arrived. Deceived is in paperback and it's available signed for $20. Now my other book is She Knew No Fear and it's a story about how I solved my great-great-grandmother's murder. She was shot and killed at a town celebration back in 1891. The story chronicles her journey from her native Scotland home to the United States. This woman walked barefooted across the plains of the United States, and she conquered the perilous Hole in the Rock expedition. She fought wild Indians, and she settled in the Four Corners area of the United States, only to be gunned down at age 40, leaving children behind. One of those children was my grandfather. Now, the book explores how I solved her murder 130 years later, and how Miracles from Heaven, in my opinion, guided my investigation, resulting in the discovery of my great-great-grandfather's handwritten account of the uh, murder. If you like stories about the Wild West, family history, true crime, this is a book for you, and I think you'd really enjoy She Knew No Fear. Now listen, thanks so much for your support of Profiling Evil. You can get She Knew No Fear hardbound versions for $30 signed and delivered. Or you can get a bundle of both books for $45. And I'm happy to put a little personal inscription if you'd like that in there. But you gotta order quickly. Now thanks for all your support of Profiling Evil. And for those of you who are Christian, Merry Christmas. And for the rest, happy holidays, everyone. We'll see you soon at the next crime scene.
Hey folks, it's Mike from Profiling Evil. I've been studying criminal behavior for more than 40 years, and one of my favorite research tools is Truthfinder. It's online, and you're not going to believe the information stored there. So if you want to know more about that new neighbor, your babysitter, or your online date, give Truthfinder a try. I'm including a special link below with special discount pricing, but you got to click the link and enter Evil10 at checkout. Now, we're an affiliate, which means we get a small commission, but you can cancel at any time.